You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. Finally, I have Savannah Sanchez on. Had to reschedule 15 times for being sick, for the flu, for whatever else going on. It wasn't coronavirus. This was a couple weeks ago, and now we're in the thick of it. I'm super excited to have you on. So, hey, Savannah, thanks for thanks for doing this. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. I think we have a lot to dive into in terms of Facebook ads and everything that's going on in the world. So really excited to be here chatting with you. I have so many things that I want to ask you and dig into, but just for some background, can you just talk about your business and your experience working with e-commerce brands? My name is Savannah Sanchez. I have my own business, which is The Social Savannah, where essentially I'm a freelancer for e-commerce brands. They'll come to me and I'll take over their Facebook, Google, and Snapchat ad campaigns and help make their ad creative as well as do the media buying and optimizations. I'm a one-man show. I'm running a handful of e-commerce accounts and really focusing on the creative testing components. That's really where I lean in most of my time is making the creatives and making sure that we're constantly creative testing. Okay. So I love that you mentioned that because I think when a lot of people talk about ads... They want to focus on all of the, I think, perceived crazy stuff that happens behind the scenes with audiences and, and targeting. But like, it sounds like you're saying that like that's not a big focus. Yeah, for me, it's definitely not. So a bit about my background. I came from an agency that was solely doing Facebook ads, started as a media buyer there. And when I started there around two years ago, it was all about those manual optimizations doing very niche audiences, all these like manual bidding. It was all about like hacking your way to ad success and like taking apart the data. So that's where I started in the Facebook ads world in uh, 2017. So fast forward, even just a year and a half later, Facebook started coming out with a lot more optimization options like campaign budget optimization, dynamic creative testing, and really pushing advertisers to utilize broad audiences and a simplified account structure. So when I was at the agency, I ended up leaving the Facebook media buying teams and we transferred our entire structure over to this very simplified, not so much focused on like audience testing, but really putting that time towards creative testing. And we were able to see such a great return on ad spend since then. So my biggest lesson learned in the last year and a half of Facebook media buying is that it's not so much about manually hacking your way to ad success, but really about just having a clean, simplified structure with some broader audience targets whilst constantly testing new creative and copy angles. I love that because that lesson has been true forever, right? If you go all the way back to like the Mad Men era of ads, like it, it has always been about the creative. Why do you think like people have moved away from that or forgot about that lesson? I wonder that too. I mean, I went to a conference about a year and a half ago that was solely about Facebook ads. And I was shocked that nobody was talking about copy testing or what makes a good video, or UGC, all the stuff that's so prominent right now. I feel like a lot of ad buyers have finally caught on to, hey, we actually need to focus on what the advertisement is, not just the media buying tactics. But I was shocked. Like, Not one person at this conference was talking about it. It's really just been a shift. I think this all comes from 
eliminating the drop shippers of the world. Like Facebook has really tried to make the platform as simple and as easy as useful as possible so that people can't just like hack their way. It's really about just having great products, great creatives. You can't just throw a dropship product on Facebook of product on white image and start printing money. That's just not the landscape anymore. It seems like they're, I'm not in the ads account every day, but like, it seems like from what I understand, Facebook is trying to take less of the behind the scenes stuff away. And so like, hey, hey, we'll let our magic algorithm, AI, whatever, figure out the audiences, like you focus on the creative. Is that the right way to think about it? 100%. The reason why, which makes so much sense, is they want to limit the barriers to entry for advertisers. So if you had to have this advanced media buying knowledge in order to advertise on Facebook, that's a huge barrier to entry for new brands to start advertising. And of course, Facebook's goal is for as many advertisers to be on Facebook as possible and putting more media budget there. So the way that they're able to do that is say, like, let's simplify the setup. We can use campaign budget optimization to do the daily budget splits between audiences and utilizing these like broad interest groups and lookalikes. So you don't have to have this advanced media buying knowledge or team behind you in order to do well on Facebook ads. They're saying, you guys focus on having a great product and great creatives, use our simplified structure, and we'll handle finding the right people to show your ads to. It all comes down to the Facebook pixel, the type of data that they have on the people who are going on your website, being able to season your Facebook pixel so that Facebook can help you find those right people instead of you having to make 100 different audience try to find them yourself. I want to get back to the creativity thing because I want to talk about how you actually do it, how you can actually be creative with ads. But before we talk about like how to be creative with ads, I want to go further up and just talk about like where I think that most small brands get stuck is the actual figuring out like how much should I spend? A lot of brands make the mistake of either spending too much with no real strategy or spending not enough to actually go and learn something. So like if I was a new brand and was ready to start testing on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, like how would you give me advice on like what to actually go allocate and test from a budget perspective to go learn something? Yeah, that's such a great question and something that all of my brands have definitely asked me when they first start out. I would say it's all going to be dependent on your product price and the average order value from your store. So For example, it takes around 50 conversions a week for the Facebook algorithm to start optimizing on the ad set. So if you have a $10 product, 50 conversions a week, you're going to need around a $500 weekly budget in order to get through that learning phase and start seeing results. Whereas for instance, I'm also doing Facebook ads for a furniture company where their average order value is $5,000. So as you can see, if we're only spending $500 a week there, we're not going to get any significant learnings in order to optimize the algorithm or even get close to getting one purchase. So it's all dependent on your average order value. That doesn't mean you have to get 50 purchases a week. I know that's really difficult, especially if you have a luxury item. I'm not recommending that you set budgets at 50K a day on your first day. However, you do have to know that the campaigns, the lower the budget in variation to your AOV, it's going to take longer for them to optimize. So... It's those trade-offs you kind of have to weigh off when deciding your initial budget. You have some interesting data that you shared uh, like about a month ago on Twitter. You said you're pulling CPM differences between the placements and platforms. And it seems to be like, although you might reach more people on Facebook, it seems to be that there's the huge opportunities like our Snapchat. I mean, and Snapchat and Instagram, and I've been seeing a lot of your stuff. And it seems to be like the thing that you're hammering on and really trying to talk about a lot is 
Snapchat and Instagram. What have you seen on those channels that's different? I'm on a huge Snapchat kick right now and same for Instagram stories in particular. So the reason why is because the CPMs on story placements, so Instagram stories and Snapchat stories are almost 10 times cheaper than advertising on a Facebook newsfeed. It's due to just like the increased inventory that the story platform has. But also there's not many brands that are creating really great story specific content. I've been seeing more great story-specific content in the last six months, but there's really still a huge opportunity for brands if they can master like the 15-second vertical video telling their story in that quick format, like utilizing influencers, user-generated content is what I've seen work best for stories. They can really take advantage of those cheaper CPMs to get cheaper delivery, reach more people whilst lowering their CPA costs. So that's where I've been focusing a lot of my attention for the brands I work with is how do we create really great story ads to show on both Instagram stories and Snapchat stories. Do you think about creating story ads specifically or like let's say I'm trying to run a promotion for a new product line that I have. Do you think about the promotion first and then the channel or do you think like, okay, this is what's going to work on Snapchat. This is going to work on Instagram. Like what's the best way to approach that? I think always looking through the lens of like what's going to work well on stories, no matter what the promotion is. So typically, like for my clients, anyone who do for their brand is let's just say you have an upcoming promotion, 30% off. I'll create one version of the ad that's square so that it can be used for Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds. But also, I want to make a creative variant that's specific for IG stories and Snapchat stories. So that's going to be the vertical, less than 15 second video maybe a bit more native looking and not so polished for those platforms. So we'll always run both because you can definitely reach different users on stories than you would feeds and vice versa. So I'm not going to completely limit myself to only creating story specific content, but it's definitely going to be a part of the mix when I'm launching any promotion. You said something important about content that looks native. It's incredible what you can create from an ad perspective, literally with just your iPhone. But I feel like you still tend to see a lot of brands following what some of the bigger brands do, which is like very highly produced, like a big agency did it. But I mean, we've had a lot of success in just straight up iPhone creative. And is that what you're doing when you talk about like having it look like native content? A hundred percent. From working at an agency for two years, we saw it time and time again, where our very high polished agency studio content for stories would not perform nearly as well as just someone picking up their iPhone doing a testimonial, putting some native text on there, putting a GIF and letting it run. So we've seen that time and time again. But I think that there is a bit of a mix of both you can do. So for instance, like when I work with my ad designer, what I'll do is I'll send her a bunch of iPhone testimonial footage. So from either different influencers or myself filming the product. And what she'll do is she'll edit it to put text on top, maybe a call to action, maybe some animations, still utilizing some resources outside of just filming on your iPhone, but using that as at least the video content so it looks native to the platform. So I found a mix of both to be kind of the best combination. Okay, if I'm ready to, to launch something and I want to come up with a new offer, I've typically thought about it like, let's go and create a bunch of creative and then test everything and figure out what works. But is that the right strategy? Like, let's do two iPhone videos talking about this. Let's do one that might be a little more produced talking about this. And let's do one that's doing like this. Would you take them all and run them together? How do you think about what to create upfront when you talk about the creative process? Like, how much upfront are you going to do versus just create like one video and you're going to send that video to your designer? 
Yeah, super great question. So relevant. So I like to think about, especially for like a new account launch, if we or a new promotion, we don't know what type works. Sometimes if you've been running an account for a while, you know, okay, native iPhone content works, we're going to do a bunch of that style showing product, whatever it is. So you kind of start to understand the formula per account. But if you don't know, or if it's a brand new account that you're running, what I like to do is test very different styles of ads when we're first running out. So maybe one's an iPhone, maybe one's a studio shoot, I'm testing different value props. So trying to make each ad very different from each other. So let's say I come up with 10 different concepts. Like one's like a PR concept, one's like a testimonial, one's like a lifestyle shoot. So I'm testing as broad as I can. And then I'll run those 10 together. And then over the next couple of weeks, I'll probably be able to see which ones are clearly winning and clearly losing. So if I'm seeing, okay, the lifestyle shoot of the girl holding the product, smiling, like that ad is really taking off. Now I can reiterate off of that concept. So now I can do 10 new ones, but it's just in a studio and I'm just using female models holding the product, smiling and talking about these specific value props. So starting broad and then week by week, narrowing in on the variables that you think are why that ad is working or not working. It's a so, like, continuous is it, is it process. A, is it a mistake if I just was like, hey, I made this video. We just want to go get these ads out right now. Definitely like, not. You- and I, think, I don't think that's a mistake at all. I think... The biggest mistake I see in brands is trying to be perfectionist. Like they're not going to launch anything until they're very particular about what type of content they want. I would say right, best right. scenario when brands are like, let's just test it and we're being quick with the testing. Definitely not a mistake. Just to throw, build some things, throw it out there, see how it, how it goes. I mean, that's the only way you're going to learn. A hundred percent. I think... I think the, the advice is just like, just put it out there is better than, is better than having no creative running. Then you can at least rule that one out for the, for the next variation. Totally. It's, it's about, it's really a volume game. That's what I've come to figure out after running so mm-hmm. many ad accounts. The volume of creative testing is really important and the speed is really important. So of course, the bigger the budget, the bigger the brand, that's going to make that t- process a lot easier. But it doesn't mean that for a small brand that you're limited. That means you could be picking up your iPhone making 20 different variations of different value props, just different copy on top that you're testing. So you could still be really nimble and test a lot of different things just from like a low budget shoot or just filming stuff on your iPhone. All right, let's talk about what actually is in the ad because if you're if, if you're a brand and you don't ha- you don't have like a crazy bubbly on camera personality like this is not going to be natural to you like i i for, not not that i have a i don't have a bubbly personality but i do a ton with video and so i'm okay yeah. with like pulling i'm okay with like pulling out my phone and being like hey what's up it's dave and you know swipe up and get this thing but uh i think a lot of people aren't comfortable with that like how do you oh, for sure. where should some where, where should somebody start cuz it doesn't always have to be your face in front of the camera Oh, definitely. I don't think it's, it's definitely a certain personality type that's good at this, like the very like influencer style um, type people. So I mean, personally, like I've, I've created like a little side business where people can send me their products and I'll film myself talking about the product and just send them uh, some video content. So that's option number one to get in touch with me. But also, I found that just like utilizing your network of friends. So if you're a brand owner and you do know someone that loves social media and is comfortable in front of the camera somewhat, um, sending them free product and asking them for some testimonials. I've always found, especially when working with friends or people who may not have made ads before, that sending them a script 
with some value props is really helpful. And the specifications of, hey, I need this to be under 15 seconds. Mention that this product is eco-friendly, whatever it is that your product's value props are. So giving them some guidance and then giving it to friends and family who might be good at this type of stuff. And then alternatively, I found influencers, of course, to be very natural in front of the camera. This is their profession. You can reach out to influencers with smaller followings, like less than 10K followers, but they are comfortable like posting stories and then like they love this type of stuff. So just reaching out to them saying, hey, we'd love to give you some product or a gift card, whatever it is, um, in exchange for an IG story testimonial so that you can later use that for ads. I love that. Uh, why, I, I've heard that a couple times. Like, wh- why do you think... Um, uh, and I've heard people that have like paid and done relationship, different relationships with influencers where they paid them up front and then posted it as an ad, but they said it didn't work. Something seems to work better about a giveaway. Like, is that because influencers want to be able to like give some, something to their, to their audience? Like, why do you think that? Cause that, that seems like dead, dead simple and so obvious. Hey, I'm going to give you, uh, we make like kids booties. I'm going to send you two pairs of booties. You can post that on your story if you're like a mom blogger. And you know, is, is it because people want to want to look like they have free products to give away and it works well? Yeah. I mean, it's all about adding value to that influencer. So like you said, if they have kids and you're giving them free booties in exchange for just posting a story about their honest feedback of it, I think that's a win-win. And if the influencer, let's just say, is a mommy blogger and she builds her following based off giving other moms great advice. She can give value to her following by saying, like, I just found this new brand, like they're eco-friendly, they're super cheap, um, whatever it, it is. So it's just about creating a valuable product and then finding an influencer whose following will also find that valuable. Can you break down the the actual like play that you use to get testimonials from um from customers i think you had mentioned that in your in your kind of your examples there because i think that that's such a good one like even us even us doing this podcast like we've had some people some some merchants that come on are like using privy and and this is not about privy at all but they'll be like oh and by the way i use i use your product and it's like help me double my conversion rate on my website so we'll literally take the let's take that clip a hundred percent it's like and i feel like that content does the best and I just think a lot of people overlook that. Like, I feel like you could literally email your customer list and say, Hey, if anybody loves our product, would you be willing to just reply here with a 30 second iPhone video? A hundred percent. And that's not being done enough. And it's the best strategy you can use because when you're sending a product to an influencer, they don't know you. It's, it's still like in a sense a paid testimonial or giving them free product in exchange for their opinion. But if someone organically finds you, even if it's like through an ad and they purchase, reaching out to them just by saying, Hey, like, like what I'll do like for my brands, I'll start with the people who are like high value customers. So people who have purchased from us um, two times or more, or like very like high OV customers and reach out to them and be like, Hey, like we saw that you love our brand. Um, we would love to feature you in our next ad campaign, which people just go crazy about. People love to be, or at least some people um, would love to be an ambassador and, they would be honored to be a part of your ad campaign, especially if they purchase me multiple times and see what they say. What I'll do is I'll be like, we'd love to offer you like a $200 gift card in exchange for um, some iPhone testimonials if you have the leverage to be giving away gift cards. So 
ultra value add. Not only do they get to um, see themselves in an ad and be an ambassador for you guys, you're also providing them with more free product, which is just going to make them more loyal to your brand. It's a, a complete like circle of um, just like really nurturing those high value customers while still getting really authentic, good ad content to use for your next ad campaign. It's the it's the best thing you could get. Like I think every every buyer, every consumer is just more skeptical than ever. The of any case study or testimonial is going to look like oh, highly right. manicured, like the marketing team put it out. And so, like uh, the best, I, the best thing you could have is just. I actually think like same way that tweets, just like your your tweets, uh, things that people are saying about your brand, just have a whole stream of that on on your homepage. Like you don't need logos yeah. and case studies. If you just literally had a hundred tweets of nice things people said, so now maybe could you get ten of those people to say? to send you that over an iPhone, even if the quality is not good, it, that, that, that honestly makes it better. Totally. And I think having it not high quality is part of like the authenticity of it. Cause then they can say like, okay, this is a real person. They're not an actor. They're just saying their, their opinions of the brand. Um, yeah, it, it just adds that authenticity. So I would encourage it to not look very polished. It's just, and, but you can always have like, what I'll do, it's like, could you want to find the balance between like, giving them some direction because you have to know that these people aren't marketers that you're selling your products to. They, they're not thinking in terms of what's going to be good ad content. So what I'll do is I'll still provide like a rough script of just like, here's some ideas, like our top value props. They don't have to, like, I still want them to talk about it with like authenticity, but just to remind them like, Oh, like we have this, this and this, and then also setting them some examples. So if in the ad account, I have three testimonials that are doing really well right now. What I'll do is I'll send them those testimonials and be like, hey, like this is the type of um, style we want. Here's some examples from our other customers who have done some iPhone testimonials. So they can watch it and be like, okay, like I see how they're talking to the camera, um, how the length of it, like, you know, they can at least have like a starting place. So, or else it might seem a bit too daunting to your customers if you just say like, go film with your iPhone. And what you think of our brand, they might not know what to do. They might, you might end up with like a 10 minute, like monologue <laughs> with like some unusual <laughs> right. content. So, right, right. Um, Send me the shortest bit. Just literally say why you like, why you like this business and the product. <laughs> yeah. Give, give them yeah. some guidelines or else they might yeah. just be like, oh, this is too scary. Like there's too much pressure. This ad's going to be seen in front of thousands of people. Like just give them some examples. And then they're like, oh, okay, this is the type of thing that they need. This is 15 seconds long. I can do this. Sorry, my daughter's in here now. <laughs> hey. um, okay, so we talked about so you talked about the creative, which is like super important. But I actually think, yeah. at least in my perception as a marketer, like thinking a lot about direct response marketing, isn't so much of a of a successful ad. Also, the offer, like the the creative, the creative is one thing, but the offer, like you have to be able to actually make a good offer. Like five percent, ten percent is not going to do. I mean, whether it's the offer or the product, like you can't put lipstick on a pig. If people like, don't find the product or the offer valuable, then, then it doesn't matter how beautiful the creative is or how many testimonials you have. That should be like a starting point. Like, do people actually like convert from this offer or want our product? Like, that's really like should be where you start. And then from there, it's like, okay, how can we make creatives to like tap into different audiences? So that's kind of what I use for like the clients I take on. Like I don't just take on any old product for any old price point. Like I 
look at the website and look at the product and I'm like, was this something that actually people are going to buy or find value from? If I think it's just a piece of crap, then I really can't help them no matter how many great creatives or ad buying strategies I use. It's not going to work. Can't put lipstick on a pig. That's that, that's yeah. the truth. Okay. I want to wrap <laughs> up. Uh, let, let's wrap up and talk about like today. Okay. So obviously okay. Um, coronavirus is here. Like the market continue keeps crashing. What, what are you noticing um, early days with your clients as far as like what's happening in ad accounts? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of panic, a lot of insecurity, a lot of uncertainty. I would say those are the three words to describe my clients in the last week. Completely understandable. It's been an interesting thing watching the ad accounts. Um, what's I've seen in, sort of in terms of trends, CPM, so the cost of traffic has gone significantly down, even like cut in half in terms of the price of traffic over the last week. So that's just a reflection of ad inventory opening up. There's more people working from home. Kids are home from school. Everyone is on social media getting the latest coronavirus news. Therefore, a lot more ad inventory is there. Also, the other part of the equation is advertisers getting nervous with their ad budgets, marketing budgets being cut. So the, um, the demand for the ad space is also decreasing because um, people are pulling back budgets due to recent events. And I'm sure all travel companies and airlines are yeah. pulling back budgets really hard. So there also is less competition. So... There is opportunity in a way. I've seen a ton of ads over the last week for like hand sanitizers, vitamins, um, food delivery service. Like I think those are the ones, the industries that are really going to thrive and take advantage of this cheap traffic and um, do well in these recent events. But in terms of like e-commerce direct response, we're definitely seeing a decrease in ROAS over the last week. So yeah, it's it's a stressful time for sure. And, it, and it's tough because I think like on, on the surface, you think like more people are online right now because everyone's watching the news, everyone's at home. And, and so the, so, um, the cost per impression is probably down. I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but like, yes, it's, e yes. it's easier to reach people, but it, but it seems to be like the, at the bottom end, like people aren't actually converting unless you're, uh, sorry, that's too much of a blanket statement. People are, no, that's, who, who that's true. T take it. Okay. So, so less people are converting, uh, unless you're in one of those like essential, you know, super yeah. relevant industries, toilet paper, hand sanitizer. Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're crushing it right now. Yeah. Or like anything health, so, like I've seen a lot of fitness apps lately, like yeah. home workout, home, home workout. Peloton, those yeah. are really taking advantage of this time. So what would you, what would you do? Like if you're not, if you're not one of the, if you're not a brand, like if, if I'm not selling hand sanitizer, you know, at home essential stuff, yeah. um, how like, but I, let's, I, I've been spending, you know, 50 grand a month, um, on, on Facebook and Instagram. Like, do I just turn that off? Like, how do I, or do I just keep an eye on it? Like what, what's this day to day strategy? Like versus versus turning everything off right now. Yeah. And then to be honest, this is changing day by day. Like I'm sure the strategy I give today may not even be relevant two weeks from now. So with that caveat established, I would say that over the last few days, we have been pulling back spend as we're seeing CPAs increase. So with that said though, I'm definitely not advising for people just to turn off their traffic because these businesses still need to keep the lights on. If, I, if we just pause Facebook ads or Google ads, 
they're not going to get any traffic to their site. So right. it's a fine balance between like, let's not be aggressive during this time in like new customer acquisition. However, we still need to be driving traffic to our site so we can keep the lights on. So every day we're trying to find that budget balance between like we're getting enough purchases per day, but we're being very efficient with their ad spend. Like we're, we're, and so my recommendation would be limit your campaigns and your ads to your top performers, which seems like obvious advice. I wouldn't say this is the time to be testing a brand new concept or a new offer or a brand new creative that you don't know how it's going to perform. Um, so being more cautious with your ad dollars and really just limiting it to those uh, variables that you know perform well. So your top converting audiences, your top converting creatives. Um, yeah. Just so, wait, so did, did you say, did, did you say this is not the time to be like rolling out new creative and testing new offers? Well, let me, let me say, <laughs> let me back that up a bit. So if your account is doing, has typically done well, so let's just say you have a few creatives that have worked historically over the last month and we're getting the returns you want at your desired spend, that I would say stick with what works. Like this isn't the time to be like putting a bunch of new variables and new creatives in the account when you already have stuff that you know works well. Like stick to what you know. However, if your account has historically like not performed well or um, you haven't found that creative variable that works yet, then of course you need to keep testing because you don't have like those top performing creatives that you can fall back on. Like you're still in that phase of trying to find what those are. So I think the stability of your account and how, and if you already have really great creatives and you don't need to be creative testing at this time. However, if you're still have no idea what works in your account, then it's everything is essentially testing still. Got it. And so, so really like if, if the, the, the indicator to look for every day is, is it a CPA, is it a CPA that you can stomach? Like, are you still going to, you know, it's not going to hurt your margins, right? That would be number one. And then number two is are conversions still happening? Cause ultimately if you're spending money to make money, that that's okay. That that's a good thing. Yeah. So it sounds like those are the two things to keep an eye on. Yeah. And so it, that's exactly it. Like how many purchases do you need a day to keep the lights on? Like what's the max CPA you can allow? And, but it's going to be different for brand by brand. So I have some brands that have like a 10% customer acquisition cost. So they're very efficient regardless. And they have a lot of cash stockpiled for a rainy day. Then the strategy is a bit different. They're thinking, Hey, like we can get really great exposure and awareness right now. We know people aren't converting this month because of coronavirus. However, CPMs have never been cheaper. We can reach our audience for a fraction of the price. I don't care if CPA goes up. I just want people to learn about our brand. We'll remarket these people a few months from now when they feel like they can start buying um, random products again. But this is a great time for brand awareness. So in that case, it's a lot more of an optimistic strategy. We have some wiggle room to work with. Whereas other brands, they need at least 20 purchases a day before they, or else they're going to go under. Completely different strategy there. So it's, it's going to depend based off of your uh, business economics. Right. I love it. All right. I'll wrap up with one, one question. I'm going to try to put you on the spot. Give me, um, give me one, give me one ad idea that I should be, that, that you would recommend that uh, e-commerce brands go out and test during during these times like things are things are super rocky there's a lot going on but like what's one what's one thing you could go out to try to do to try to sell more during these times 
That's a great question. You are definitely putting me on the spot. So something that it could I be Snapchat. <laughs> like I don't. I, it could be. It could be. Go try Snapchat. Right. If you think that there's free. That, there, that there's a, a big audience there and it, and, it, and it's pretty cheap right now. Like just even telling people go test out Snapchat ads would be good. I mean, I'm always going to say go test out Snapchat ads because I'm a huge fan of Snapchat. But like to give like some really relevant advice, something that I think brands are leaning into a bit is like kind of bringing in the relevance of the times. So for example, some ads I've seen are like stay put in style um, casual dress code and effects like shop our like Flavis products. Um, I'm looking at another headline of an ad I saw. It says, um, stay safe, stay sunny and take care of each other. Um, head to our website for like daily home essentials. So I think if you're able to bring in like compassion and relevance to the time of like, Hey, like you're, you're staying home. Um, like this product can still bring value. I think you have to find a tasteful way to do it. So with all that said, maybe there's ways that you can leverage uh, the current events like to bring some authenticity to your ads. So I'll leave with that. Also, if anyone it. wants... I think there, I think really... it was... <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just was saying like you said such an important thing that we hadn't talked about yet, which is authenticity. Like it's okay to run ads right now. It's okay to promote your stuff. It's okay to be out there marketing. But if you totally. don't do it in an authentic way, everyone's going to know. So you have to acknowledge the times. So I love that piece of advice, yeah. which is why I wanted to interrupt you to hammer that up. <laughs> no, I, I think it's really important. I think there's a tasteful way to do it and there's a not tasteful way to do it. I've seen some really bad ways. Um, for example, I saw one ad today that said like, um, times are uncertain, but what is certain is that florals are in for spring. I was like, what? Like that's just like, crass i don't i don't know it just, it just rubbed me the wrong way so right i'm that line not the, probably not the time yeah yeah i'm like no florals are not for spring in these uncertain times i do want to say if anyone wants really great um ad creative inspiration i do have a facebook group completely free to join called facebook ads creatives only where we're only sharing top performing ad creatives so Definitely join and we'll be sharing, especially during the next couple of weeks, really relevant and good ads um, to these times. I love it. Hey, thanks for coming, Annie. <laughs> this is what this is what every podcast says right now is just home and everybody kids. becoming a part of it. These kids, yeah. Cool. Well, Savannah, it. you're you're awesome. I was actually taking notes and sending them to the team the whole time during this. So everything from influencers to ads to Facebook stories. Instagram stories, Snapchat, uh, what to do with, with your ad account right now. I love it. This was like an action packed 30 minutes. So thanks for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. If you want to, you just plugged your group, but if, uh, what's the, what's the best, best place people can find you? Your Twitter is social Savannah, right? Social yeah, underscore my Twitter Savannah. Is, yep. Social underscore Savannah. I'm most active on there. If you have any questions, you can also visit my website at the social Savannah.com. Awesome.